Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao i am not going anywhere i am back ladies and gentlemen i survived the bullet club survived the elite survived so this next message goes to all the fellow wrestlers watching oh yeah i know you're watching i even know the guys down in orlando are watching you guys can get started and train for the next kenya omega light but it ain't gonna happen 2017 will still be kenny omega's year it will still be bullet club's year it will still be the elite the I think you're very, very good. As a matter of fact, you're one of my favorites, but you're not as good as I am. You're not the best in the world at everything you do, and you know it. I am part of a special breed of performers that toured the world, honing our craft, learning our skills, becoming stars before we ever got to the WWE. A breed that cared more about having the best match on the show than personal What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Wrestling With My Thoughts, provided by SciShow Conversations, of course. It's your boy, Mr. Rainmaker himself, Val, and I'm here to bring you my review and reaction to the spectacle known as Wrestle Kingdom 12 in Tokyo Dome. This is the New Japan Pro Wrestling event that has caught the world on fire once again, and Always, New Japan, when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom time, their big WrestleMania, if you say event every year, always puts out solid matches, storylines, cards that transcend pop culture to a different level. And this was no different. This one had a lot of hype. Not only are you going to be looking at the headline match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, 
uh, reigning champion Okada taking on Naito. You're going to be looking at the co-headliner of this event as well, too. A man that hasn't wrestled for another organization in over 20 years. That is the man, Lionheart, Chris Jericho. Taking on the man when it comes to international wrestling. The one and only Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States Championship in the nose qualification match. This event was a spectacle like no other because not only did it, it, it garnish a attendance record of about almost 35,000 people in attendance, it caught so much mainstream news coming from the States, coming from um, Canada, coming from Europe, Japan, Asia itself. No matter where, it literally lit the wrestling world on fire. Because it, it, it shows that, you know, world wrestling entertainment is not the to-be-all, end-all when it comes to wrestling. You can main event and be a star, or even just be part of an event like this and just have your name in the history books, part of professional wrestling at its most finest. So let's get into it. Wrestle Kingdom 12 in Tokyo Dome is provided by New Japan Pro Wrestling. The event took place on January 4th, 2018 at Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. It was the 27th January 4th Tokyo Dome show, which is New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest annual event and has been called the largest wrestling show in the world outside the United States and the Japanese equivalent to the Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the show was headlined by Kazuchika Okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Champion against the winner of the 2017 G1 Classic, Tetsuya Naito, in a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom 8 in 2014. The second show's match was a double main event, Saw by Kenny Omega defending the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship against Chris Jericho in a no-disqualification match. So let's get down to the nitty-gritty of what this means right here. When it comes to professional wrestling, people look at WWE and say, wow, look at their elaborate stories. They go above and beyond and say, uh, hey, they can make a... A divorce, a big thing in a wrestling angle. They can make uh, child custody a big thing in a wrestling angle. They can make um, a guy look like the Incredible Hulk and push down a garbage truck in a wrestling angle. And sometimes it does seem a little far-fetched that you're going to these extravagant ideas when you could just kind of be more, I guess, grounded, you could say, when it comes to wrestling storylines. And that's how I felt with this event. Did the event blow my socks off? No. As a whole, no, it did not. Um, I've seen Wrestle Kingdoms 10 that literally blowed my socks off. And I was like, bro, this is like the be-all, end-all, best event I've ever seen when it comes to pro wrestling. Uh, but this was still a fun event. I felt like every match had a purpose. I felt like every match had a story, had its own style of match. And when you have different options to gravitate to in wrestling. That's what makes professional wrestling so great. It's the novella for everybody, for the man, for the woman, for the child, uh, to gravitate to and say, that's my match, that's my wrestler, that's my character, that's my story. Um, in total, besides the pre-show, it was about nine matches on the show. We could go ahead and start with the first one. It was 
Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, the elite, the Young Bucks, part of the Bullet Club, um, taking on Rapungi 3K, Show and Yo, with Rocky Romero. Um, this is for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. So I want to say that's like the cruiserweight division for people who don't really watch New Japan Wrestling. Um, this was an awesome match, but it didn't live to my expectations because I've seen far better Young Buck matches. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not gonna go on my tyrant, my little, my rant when it comes to Daniel Cormier and how he feels about the Young Bucks. I've just seen outstanding matches with the Young Bucks, uh, from ROH, from PWG, different things like that, so, um, maybe it just wasn't the chemistry with Rapungi 3K, but it still had a great story to it, um, the biggest story coming out of this was, um, Rapungi 3K is the reigning champions in this match, um, they are managed by Rocky Romero, who was the originator when it comes to Rapungi Vice, him and Trent Ber uh, Beretta were the champions last year, defeating the Young Bucks. Um, Beretta made his way into the heavyweight division, so Rocky Romero decided to make up a new team uh, consisting of Young Lions, Young Boys, if, if you may as well too. Young Boys, Young Lions are basically um, the jobbers of, of this wrestling federation that have to earn their place in wrestling, so they don't start off with you know fancy clothes and moves and whatnot. They're just black tights. Um, standard wrestling, they usually lose matches all the time to gain experience, and they finally um, were chosen to come up and show the world what they can do. Sho and Yo are great wrestlers. I see them having a brighter future after this match, a little more experience. But yes, um, Rocky Romero basically um, mentoring these two uh, young lions to to be the greatest tag team in the world. Um, and also, if you're going to be, be the greatest tag team in the world, you got to beat the greatest tag team in the world. That being the Young Bucks right about now. So, um, the story of the match basically was that uh, Matt Jackson was suffering from back trauma in this match. And I believe Yo was suffering from back trauma in this match for doing high-risk maneuvers. And the story just goes that uh, each team were trying to one-up each other by taking advantage of the back injuries from each teammate. And it came to a point where we saw the Young Bucks take advantage of Rapunky 3K, hitting the sharpshooter at the end, um, damaging the back as much as they could, and getting the victory by submission, Young Bucks becoming a seven-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team champion. Champions, if you will. So yeah, awesome. It was cool to see um, Young Bucks get the love. Um, and Shine, there were a lot of Young Buck chants in the crowd. For a Japanese audience, they were most of the time, you know, very casual. Not casual, I want to say very just respectful to the brand. They don't really shout out that much, so it was nice to see a little change in that. They were like, hey, Young Bucks cheering this and that, so it was fun to see that. The next match was a gauntlet match. You're going to be hearing a lot of ch um, titles or championships that you've never heard of, probably, if you've never seen New Japan Wrestling. Um, this is for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship. Yes, it's a mouthful. Never is basically a brand in New Japan where they were trying to make it like NXT in a way, where they would have, I believe, just different competitors try to be the next best thing when it comes to New Japan and see who can carry the mantle for the next couple of years. And it just evolved into something more of just uh, another title 
in this organization, kind of like the TV title. Even though I like the TV title when it comes to ROH or WCW, um, it kind of falls flat like it was in WCW. Not really taking that seriously. But nonetheless, it was a match, gauntlet match. It consisted of, and I might just botch the name, so I, you know me, people, if you listen to me before, I botch a lot of things. Um, it was the likes of Juice Robinson, who um, surprised me in this match right here. I love some Juice Robinson. Um, Taganuchi and Togi Makabe were one team, taking on the likes of Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Takahashi Itsuka and Tai Chi. I want to say that. Uh, they are the likes of Suzuki Gun or Suzuki Gun. There we go. And we're also looking at the team of Michael Elgin taking a with War Machine, Hanson and Rimuro from Ring of Honor. Also taking on Chaos, Trent Beretta, Ishii, and Toru Yanu. So this was a crazy gauntlet style match for, you know. The two teams start off, one gets eliminated. Um, there were some highlights. Oh, sorry, I forgot a team as well, too. The champions of the match. My apologies, people. The Bullet Club, Balak Fale, Tamatanga, and Tonga Loa. So, uh, there was a lot of highlights in this match. It was a low the place a little bit, but for the most part, I did enjoy seeing Zack Sabre Jr. taking on giant opponents. To the point where one of the eliminations, Raymond Rowe, who, if you've seen him in ROH, is a giant man. Him actually slapping on a flying armbar, transitioning to a triangle, and tapping Raymond Rowe out was great. It was fun to see. It just shows why I love professional wrestling and how you could book a smaller man against a bigger guy. Um, the last teams consisted of the Bullet Club taking on Chaos, which is Beretta, Ishii, and Yano. And... I love Tamatanga's work. I've been seeing Tamatanga for a long time in New Japan. One of the originators when it comes to the Bullet Club with Balak Fale, his brother as well too, Tangaloa. They make a great combination, but Tamatanga is on a level of his own. He reminds me of a Seth Rollins meets Kenny Omega meets AJ Styles. I think he's a total package. If there's going to be a breakout star for 2018, I believe it's going to be Tamatanga. I believe he's either going to get out the Bullet Club shadow or somehow, some way, just do something different. Um, I know he, him and his brother are doing other things in the States with the Gorillas of, of Destiny, doing their own tag team, trying to separate themselves from the Bullet Club. But, man, Tonga, uh, Tama Tonga is on a, another level in this match. Um, yeah, basically, um, Chaos does get the win with Beretta getting the pinfall on Tama Tonga. So... Beretta, Ishii, and Yanu are the new never open weight six man champions, champions, if you will. So yeah, it, it was a lot. It was a decent match. It didn't blow any expectations besides seeing um, um, Zack Saber Jr. do his thing against bigger opponents. And it's nice to see uh, other people like Elgin and Beretta get some shine as well too on the main card. So cool, 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 cool. The next match, honestly, to me, was my match of the night. Um, it, it didn't have any expectations, I want to say. I mean, because um, we already knew what we were going to get with these two wrestlers. So it was just what kind of match would they produce. And I feel like it soared above expectations to the point where winner and loser came out incredible. This match was Kota Ibushi taking on Cody Rose with Brandy Rose by his side. Cody Rose, man. Cody Rose is 
my wrestler of the year from 2017. I feel like he rose to new heights in his career, his promo work, his wrestling, his aggression, his his character development in three different shows. You know, he's went to many multiple different shows, whether it be Impact, whether it be ROH, whether it be New Japan, either similar or a different character altogether, but it's always evolving, always transcending as well, too. His chemistry with Brandy just shows how much they, number one, love the business, and number two, love each other. Um, the respect he has for his father as well, too, with his new look with the dyed bleach blonde hair is great. You know, Cody Rose being the, the son of Duthie Rose, the, the, the American dream, Duthie Rose. You know, hard times, hard times, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it was great seeing him get a, a prompt role on this card. I mean, this could have been a throwaway, throwaway match, but it was not. Um, Kota Ibushi, one of the best wrestlers that I've seen in the last five years as well, too. Strikes, agility, his performance high-flying, his, his strength, you know, it, everything. He's a total package as well, too. Why he is not, you know, heavyweight champion by now... I don't know, we'll see, but the same token, he is, in my eyes, the next person that could grow up to be a person headlining uh, main event. So, so is Cody, so is Cody. But this match told great stories of just um, using Brandy as an equalizer in this match, trying to distract Coda, trying to use her body to, to distract Coda, where if Cody uh, was getting... About to get knocked out by a flying attack or drop kick, Brandy would come in and just like distract Coda, uh, almost to the point where Coda actually did a plancha and hit Brandy by accident, to the point where Coda actually felt bad for the incident of hitting Brandy, and we kind of got like almost a uh, Macho Man Randy Savage moment where we saw you know um, Coda just feeling horrible, almost about to cry that he hit a woman by accident. And pick up um, Brandy just like um, Hogan picked up Liz in his arms about to go to the back. And then you see um, um, classic heel Cody Rhodes just, you know, knee him in the back, dropping Brandy. Brandy smiles. They're laughing at each other knowing that this was a planned attack. It was such a special match. I know the, the part that everybody's talking about is a crossroads from the ring apron to the floor that looked like a Bushi kind of just broke his neck in the process. That was a crazy spot, but just the wrestling alone, the psychology, the the match presence, um, the ring awareness. You know, Cody Rose is such a ring general when it comes to these matches. He could plan a match out uh, so smart, you know, like a Chris Jericho, like a Kenny Omega. They could just plan these matches out so well. And then just the aggression with Ibushi just with the kicks, with 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 the power bombs, uh, the Golden Star power bomb, which always looks great. It's like a last ride going into a sit-out power bomb. Um, basically finishing off the match with the Phoenix Splash. It was just ah, incredible. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, so yeah, Ibushi gets the win. Um, kind of sounds like I couldn't get the best translation, but looks like he was calling out Kenny Omega in a way. So that would be a great match seeing Omega taking on um, Ibushi for the United States Heavyweight Championship one day. That would be fun, fun, fun in my opinion, because I think they would have match of the year if that would happen. Uh, regardless to Cody Rose, great match in, in his own right. I feel like this guy is going to go far in 2018-19. The, the sky's the limit for him. 
whether he's proven it to Vince or he's proven it to himself or doing it for his dad or just doing it for love of the business, he's exceeding expectations. I see nothing but great things for Cody Rhodes. So match of the night for me, in my opinion. The next match. Um, this actually surprised me because I didn't care for it that much when I heard about it. Only because of the fact that I don't care for the challengers in this match. It was for the uh, IWGP Tag Team Championships, or Heavyweight Championships, if you will. Uh, it was the Champions, the Killer Elite Squad, which I love. Uh, Lance Archer, I've, I've always loved since the, the TNA days. Um, and Davey Boy Smith Jr., which I also love as well, too. I feel like he's an underrated wrestler and never got to do in the WWE. Um... Both sporting off Austin outfits. I mean, uh, Archer coming out, I guess, either being doing a mockery of Triple H. You know, he's coming out with his, you know, street clothes on. You're looking like, you know, a uh, knockoff version of Bon Jovi. Just having multiple water bottles with him. Drinking and spitting at the crowd. Total disrespect. Maybe this is for just for heat. But literally spitting at the crowd. Kind of like Triple H, you know, taking a sip, spitting, taking a sip, spitting. Spitting at the young boys, spitting at the referees, spitting at the fans, spitting at the announcers. It was just a spit craze. And then Davey Boy Jr., um, he, his attire this time um, looks exactly like the last run from the British Bulldog when he um, was in WWE, I believe, 1998-1999. I believe 99-2000, where he had the jeans on and the big boots on with the white socks showing out. It, it, it was just nice to see that homage to his dad. It, it was crazy. And these two just have such a great chemistry. Um, Davey Boy and Lance Archer. No wonder they are the champions um, coming into this. But um, they were taking on um, the tag team of Evil. Yes, his name is Evil. And Sonata. Um, Sonata... You know, I've seen them before um, in other matches, going from Pro Wrestling Noah, going in, uh, I believe, DDT, going in TNA as well, too, and Evil. Um, I just never got into his character. He's very campy, but decent wrestler. And yeah, this was a hard-hitting match. Hard-hitting where Davey Boy and Lance Archer were just tearing these guys apart. Big power moves. Giant uh, finishers, finisher wrap the back when the bell rang that they had to like dis disrupt. Um, just um, brawls outside, chairs being thrown, um, people being thrown off the guardrail. Then of course Sonata being high flyer, you know, doing as much um, high risk maneuvers as he can as well too. Um, very 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 straightforward, strong style match that you can expect from New Japan and it, it this was fun to watch because of the fact that I had low expectations with the challengers the challengers actually won the match Evil and Sonata are the new IWGP tag team champions so um, we'll see where their careers go from New Japan uh, Killer Elite Squad I'm hoping they still stick around New Japan because they're a breath of fresh air they're just big bruising no-nonsense, disrespectful heels, and that's what you need sometimes. Next match was a hair versus hair match. Um, well, let me give you the whole story of it. Hair versus hair, no seconds, death match <laughs> for the Never Openweight Championship. Remember how we were talking about Never before? Well, this is their, I guess, top-tier championship. So it was um, Haruki Goto 
taking on Minoru Suzuki from Suzuki Gun. And um, yeah, Suzuki being the champion. Uh, story behind this match right here is just basically Suzuki definitely um, always had the advantage over Goto in matches and was taunting him all year. And he would not defend that championship unless, you know, he took something from Goto. So they, um, Goto said, hey, I'll put my hair on the line. We'll do a hair versus hair match. Suzuki not having that much hair to begin with agreed to this match anyway. It was a decent match. If you've seen a Suzuki match, it's very submission-oriented, almost like a uh, Pride Fighting Championship match. He um, has that aspect when it comes to wrestling. And Goto, a great wrestler as well, too. It's just this match just felt like a... A placeholder for a while, kind of like an exhibition match for the crowd just to settle down a little bit and get ready for the next few matches coming above. But decent match with Goto getting the win and um, the whole controversy of Suzuki just leaving the match, coming back in, showing that he has respect for the crowd and for the company, um, kicks the chair away from Goto and takes the clippers and cuts his own hair and just shaves his hair bald. And yeah, there you go. Goto is the new never open weight champion. So, rock and roll. <laughs> Next match. Great match, in my opinion. Um, it was the fatal four-way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. It was Takahashi taking on Kushida, taking on champion Marty Scroll, taking on Will Ospreay. This had so many storylines in it, especially with the Marty Squirrel Will Ospreay storyline. Basically, that they came up together in the European scene, and it was always Marty Squirrel one-upping Will Ospreay, whether it came to championships, whether it came to mainstream uh, popularity, whether it came to breaking out to the United States. Marty Squirrel always one-upped Will Ospreay. He never got to catch up to his level. Uh, also, you had Takahashi and Kushida having their own rivalry as well, too. Takahashi uh, extended this rivalry all the way back to CMLL. Um, Lucha Libre Wrestling having their rivalry start off from there, going into last year where basically Kushida was champion, trying to defend that title, and of course, Marty Scroll defeating him. So, so many clashing storylines happening with Takahashi and Kushida, Marty Scroll and Osprey, that it just had to be a great match because all these competitors were all-star wrestlers. And nonetheless, it was just a high-flying match. Uh, Kushida throwing out wicked kicks, Takahashi with kind of like a Shinsuke Nakamura character, just very animated, very flamboyant in your face. Uh, Marty Scroll, of course, submission-based, Matt Wrestling, and then Willis Ospreay, high-flying, intensity. Every part about this match was great, whether it be uh, Marty Scroll always trying to get the chicken wing, uh, whether it be Takahashi always trying to get the finisher, Kushida always trying to nail his finisher as well, too. There's a great spot where Kushida has his Kimura lock, and Marty Scroll has his um, chicken wing lock at the same time. And you did not know who was going to tap out first because it's one fall to a finish. So you had Marty Scroll risk the chicken wing lock to get out so he could break the um, other competitor's lock so they wouldn't tap out first. High intensity when it comes to this match. Finished off with Will Ospreay finally getting the win over Marty Scroll, hitting the uh, Osprey cutter, knocking him out, and taking him out, taking... Uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship as well, too. So Osprey finally gets that win over Marty Scroll, 
um, on the big stage, and it's great to see. People know Will Ospreay. If you don't know, check out him and Ricochet. They have had matches that will just leave you breathless after watching one of their matches. So, Will Ospreay, great things to see. Thank the Lord he did not come to the Cruiserweight Classic because it would have been a death in his career, basically. So, New Japan, keep that boy. That boy's yours. Marty Scroll, always great to see. The best entrance out of these four when it came to this. I don't know. When it, Kishida had a Back to the Future entrance, so that was fun, too. He is a time splitter. But Marty Scroll, his entrance with the crows and the wings and the whole um, clockwork orange appearance, great to see. So check that match out. I think you guys will love it. Match after that. Uh, it was for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. It was Jay White taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think this was my least favorite match, to be honest. I know um, Tanahashi was coming into this match injured, uh, shoulder and leg injuries, and you could definitely see from his movements in the match, so... In my opinion, it may have been a great time to take it off off of him in this match because of those injuries and because he seemed so slow during the match. Uh, if you've seen a Tanahashi match, he's very high intensity, very fast paced. You know, he's been the face of New Japan for the past 10 years. And when his movesets are very, very um, flamboyant as well, too, you know, frog splashes, sling blades, things of that nature, moonsaults. So to see him very limited was was tough because he had to wrestle a different way. And then the likes of Jay White, as much people were raving about how Jay White was going to be the next Kenny Omega or breakout star, he did not impress me in this match. Maybe it was just the chemistry between Jay White and Tanahashi just didn't click. But Jay White just did not impress me, especially um, now that he has this new uh, Switchblade character, you know. Yeah, he's very dark and very greaser type and... You know, he could switch on you like a blade. No, no, it did not work, sir. Um, his wrestling style, I did not care for it that much. It was very bland. And when you have an injured Tanahashi, you need someone to kind of pick up the pace and, you know, be the driver in the match. And Jay White was not that person. If anything, he was still trying to figure out where he was in this, in this match. And I could see why they kept the title on Tanahashi because maybe they just did not have full confidence in Jay White. But yes... Um, Tanahashi wins with the uh, frog splash, the high five frog splash. So um, yeah, that happened. It was about 19 minutes and it kind of felt like 30. Um, not in a good way though. <laughs> That's just my opinion though. Maybe for those JY fans out there, they do love the character, but in this match, I just didn't feel it. Um, so we'll skip over that. X match, which was the ticket seller, I believe. Um, it was the co-main event of the night. Champion, United States heavyweight champion, Kenny Omega, taking on, for the first time in 20 years, making his um, Tokyo Dome return, if you will. Because he was never in New Japan Wrestling. He's wrestled for All Japan and um, Wrestling and Romance. Uh, Chris Jericho. But it was great to see how loved he came out. How, how respected the audience felt for this character. Chris Jericho has a long history where it comes to wrestling in Mexico, Japan, Europe in general, throughout the States, Canada. He's been everywhere. And to see, you know, fans chant Lionheart was just damn that you could see in Jericho's face how much he 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 missed this respect. I mean, as much people respect him in WWE, 
it's on a total another totally different level when it comes to international wrestling. And of course, um, coming out, he did not come out to any WWE themes. He did come out with his um, his sparkling light bright jacket, which I don't know. I, I kind of wanted something a little bit different from Jericho, making like a different character. He always reinvents himself, so this right here was a little disappointing. But he came out to his Judas song, which was fun. Um, if you do not know, go um, try to download or listen to Fozzie's new album. They have some pretty good songs on there. I was never the biggest Fozzie fan, but that Judas song, pretty kick-ass. And of course, Kenny Omega coming out with the Young Bucks um, to a Thor Ragnarok kind of Anubis look. I mean, he had like the whole Anubis head plate on with like a cape and a cowl and this Thor Ragnarok gun. If you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, see it, please. Um, it was awesome. Very elaborate entrance from both these competitors. Um, Omega being a champion. Story this match, man. Uh, uh, what can I say? I, it was just it started on Twitter. It was a spark. It was a spark from Twitter from Jericho to Omega talking about who's the best in the world and best coming out of Canada. Both being from Winnipeg as well too. Um, both be international superstars and how they could one up each other if they could. If you wrestled in my organization, I kick your ass. If I wrestled in yours, I kick your ass. So it finally came to a culmination where. Um, Jericho came on a Titron and basically surprised the whole crowd. Won a great ovation to see um, him challenge Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, and then to another vignettes of him just, you know, coming out there and beating the crap out of him from the ring, making him bleed, showing some color. Backstage segments of them beating each other up in press conferences. It was just an old school rivalry. Very, very... Uh, 70s and late 80s storytelling, and it works so well because we haven't seen that in a long time. I know Jericho has been clamoring at an opportunity to have an old-school storyline like this. Just two people who think they're better than each other and want to beat the shit out of each other. And <clears throat> there's a little criticism to this match, in my, in my opinion, though. It is a phenomenal match. For 34 minutes and 36 seconds... These guys had one of the best notice qualification matches in New Japan history. Jer if anybody thought that Jericho was going to have a lazy style and not do things because he's been using the WWE wrestling style, no, you're wrong. Completely wrong. Jericho was taking bumps out of nowhere, getting cut, getting hurt, taking big moves, doing big moves, uh, being a ring general as he is, but... The only thing that I have criticism for is if you're having a nose qualification match, you should kind of be about the rules. Um, I think Jericho was trying to do that in the beginning of the match. Yeah, matches where he put the walls of Jericho on Kenny Omega, and Omega goes to the ropes, and a referee is about to break it, and Jericho's yelling at the referee, it's nose qualifications, you idiot. So, you know, things like that, I was respecting. I'm like, okay, they're, they're making this credible as a nose qualification match. No rules, so why would you uh, break uh, break on a on a rope? It kind of fell apart um, in the middle where you're having a lot of outside hardcore fighting, and the referees counting to twenty. I'm like, what? Why are you making countouts? It's a no disqualification match. Like, no rules. There's no countouts. So why the hell would this happen? Um, and then there comes later on the match where. Um, Omega hits the one angel, and Jericho, I guess, grabs the bottom rope and breaks a pin, which, once again, makes no sense, because 
uh, it's a no-disqualification match. You hold the rope all you want, you're still going to get pinned. It's not going to break the pin whatsoever. So little con uh, inconsistencies like that kind of killed me. But if you take that out, if you just forget about it, this match was balls to the wall. And I was expecting something like interference from the Young Bucks, but no, it was Jericho starting off the match beating the shit out of everybody. Like, not even Kenny yet, just he beat the shit out of the staff, the cameramen, the referees, some announcers. He was slapping the shit out of people, cursing at people. It was He was getting every kind of heat he can get. And as much as he was trying to, I think the fans just respect him so much, respect his quality of work throughout the years, that um, he couldn't really turn a crowd the way he wanted to because he's so beloved. But he tried, though. He tried. But these two went at it just... Uh, kicks to the face, knees, story in the match as well too. It was just, you know, um, Omega um, getting hurt in the knees earlier on in the match and Jericho trying to capitalize on that. But definitely, they did not shy away from weapons. Chairs were being used, tables were being used. There's one spot where um, Jericho gets thrown out and Omega goes for a plancha outside ECW style from the rope to the guard, outside the guard well and misses. Um... Uh, there's parts where um, Jericho does his triangle drop kick to Kenny Omega's knees and collapses on the floor. That was a great spot. Um, you know, outside moves as well too. Moon salts out to the, from the ring. Jericho uh, hitting lion salts to a great ovation. Once he hit the first lion salt, I think the crowd just erupted because of the Lionheart gimmick. And you can see in Jericho's face that like, damn, they they respect me. They they remember. They remember from back in the day. They remember my Lionheart days with Chris Benoit and Dimalenko and Eddie Guerrero in Japan. So um, that was special. Um, it culminated with both of them countering each other's finishers. You see um, Jericho hitting the, the walls of Jericho into the Lion Tamer at one point. You see um, Omega hitting the one-wing Angel many times and still never gained the full pin. You have Jericho hitting the Codebreaker. Um, Kenny just selling it. You have a lot of blood in this match where um, Jericho is just busting him open with chairs, breaking a chair and just using the broken parts to stab Kenny. Um, table spots. Jericho taking dragon suplexes to the back of the head. So he wasn't shying away from the hard-hitting matches. And then just the knees. Kenny Omega hitting so many runny knees <laughs> to Jericho's face to the point where his mouth was busted open was just incredible. Jericho's taking these bumps. I know he probably hated it. But at the same time, he loves wrestling so much that I felt he needed to do this to show that he's part of this audience. He needs that legitimacy, I guess, to be a wrestler. He's not just a cookie-cutter wrestler from WWE. He's a world-renowned wrestler. And it came to a point where you saw Jericho almost win this match, and the crowd was going for that. But it ended off where um, Jericho was going to hit the final lion salt. Omega slaps him with a chair, puts the chair down, hits the one-wing angel right on top of the chair... Jericho's head just knocks right on, and you can feel every ounce of pain. Gets the three count, and this match was just one of the best matches of the night. To me, I still rank the Cody Rose match above it because it all fell together so well. And this one had a couple inconsistencies, but um, yeah, still great match. Love the match. Both of these competitors were great. We don't know what's going to happen with Chris Jericho's future after this. He has this whole rock and wrestling boat ride he's trying to do his cruise. Um, next year, so I don't see him in the WWE anytime soon because he's doing all these transitions. But I would love to see him at least have maybe two more matches in New Japan before he calls it quits from there. Still, great match though. 
Um, Kenny Omega retains the uh, IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. And your final match. Okada taking on Naito. Um, you know, it's hard because your co-main event was such a crazy all-out brawl kind of match that gave everybody the feels that this match right here you would think will fall flat. And to me, the first 10 minutes did. Even though the crowd was behind both of these competitors, you know, Naito is so loved with the audience and Okada so loved as well too. It was hard to determine who's really the heel and who's the face in this match because these are respected individuals with the audience. They love these guys so much. Um, to a standout ovation, I think um, Naito gained more of the better reaction. You hear the kids and the women and the men just, you know, screaming his name before he his music even started. Um, such a crazy story in this match. It even goes back to their first match ever uh, wrestling together. The first match I believe they ever had was against each other um, years ago. So you have that history. Then the history of Wrestle Kingdom 8 where... Um, Naito was the um, heavyweight champion, but because the promoters felt that he wouldn't garnish enough views as a heavy as the last match as the main event, that they chose the Intercontinental to main event the show instead of him, and he was just pissed off from Wrestle Kingdom eight till now, where um, he felt like he didn't get the respect he deserved as a competitor. He was a champion. He should have been the last one. I lost CM Punk almost in a way. There was a point in his, in his years where he won the Intercontinental Championship and was just ripping it off the pieces every time you saw him with it. He hated that championship because of the fact that it was above him at that time. Um, to the point where, um, he beat Okada as well, too, for the championship as well. And still did not get the respect he deserved. Only had that title for such a long time. Maybe, I think, two or three months. Dropping that title. Um, winning the G1 Classic last year. And getting that shot once again for Wrestle Kingdom. And finally getting the main event he deserved against Okada. Um, also in this match, it was just reversals of each other's finishing moves. Where the fact that both of these competitors have to pull out new moves in their arsenal to counter each other's moves, in a way, because they know each other so well. Um, you saw that Okada came out with a new Cobra Clutch finisher as well to kind of counteract anything that um, Naito had to offer. Um, yeah, so it was a match for the first 10 minutes. It was decent. I feel like, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just because we saw that Omega-Jericho match, Alpha-Omega match there that um, kind of maybe took the crowd down a bit after that, you know, and just after seeing such greatness, you're like, ooh, I need to, need to sit down and just relax and chill out for a minute. So the first 10 minutes was just, you know, it was decent. It was basic. Um, it didn't really pick up until, like, maybe 20 minutes into the match. The whole match was about 30 minutes and 30 seconds. So about 20 minutes into the match is where things start picking up. You had great spots, top road spots. Um, story inside the match was that Okada's been having neck problems as well, too. So every time Naito had a chance to expose the neck area, he would do it with neck breakers, neck breakers from the top rope, neck breakers from the apron to the floor. Uh, he was just trying to damage him as much as possible. Hitting his finishing move about four or five times uh, to the point, in fact, where Okada came up and he could barely stand and it looked like they were just going to throw the towel in for him because he had nothing left. But he came back throwing about three or four Raymaker clotheslines, trying to knock um, Naito out, kept on kicking out, 
hit a final tombstone into a Rainmaker and got the pinfall with Okada being the longest reigning champion in the history of New Japan when it comes to the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Um, he's had it for, I believe, 570 days now. So uh, he went with the win. Um, strange, because I thought Naito was going to win this match with the whole Wrestle Kingdom controversy for Wrestle Kingdom 8 and his journey trying to get back to the top. It would have been a feel-good story since the crowd was behind him. But no, they um, they see the Golden Boy. They know that Okada is successful in his promos, in his worth ethic, in his dedication to New Japan, whether it be in the heel or face, he is the, the, the standard to look up to. So I feel like they're not, they're not going to really take the title off from him just yet because of the fact that he's he's their new John Cena, if you want to say it in a way. He's their Hulk Hogan. The last thing they want to do is get rid of that money maker right there. So that rainmaker, if you will. So yeah, that was it. That was uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And um hope you guys enjoyed this. I was all over the place, but for those who were interested in watching this, just didn't know what it was or wanted to watch it, but they had to go to work or do something like that, well, I'm happy to to talk about it with you guys. Um, I'm still trying to get better when it comes to getting all this together when it comes to wrestling. I know I'm all over the place. I'm trying to pronounce names better, matches better, uh, <laughs> everything better. So thank you for... This is actually my, my first podcast for 2018, so yay. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys um, subscribe, rate, review, sideshow conversations on Bumpers, on Podcast Republic, and iTunes. And you can always reach me with my boy Jay Rants on the Kamora Chronicles, also on Bumpers, iTunes, and Podcast Republic, where we talk about MMA. That's going to be coming up pretty soon as well, too, so stay tuned. And if you want to reach me, um, on the Twitter at uncanny underscore V Val Cisco and Instagram Val Cisco. Facebook we have our sideshow conversations page where we talk everything pro wrestling, MMA, comic books, nerd culture, movies, you name it, we talk about it. We get off freak on. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me on this right here. These are my thoughts when it comes to pro wrestling. Hopefully I didn't botch enough. You guys take care. Always get your mind out of the gutter, but keep your eye on the side.